me and my mate looked at each other and it was like that was a cat. You could see just the way it, it moved. It was a cat and it was big. You sound mental when you say it, don't you? But I know what I saw. I just froze. <laughs> didn't want to move because I didn't want it coming towards me or anything, something like that. You think, where the hell has that come from? Welcome to Big Cat Conversations. We speak directly to people who've encountered one of Britain's big cats. We also discuss the bigger picture. I'm Rick Minter, and thanks for joining me. For our next guest, we welcome Bernard in the south of Ireland, and we're going to hear about a very recent sighting that he had right at the end of October. Bernard joins us from near Dungarvin, which is just a bit west of Waterford in South East Ireland. Many thanks for joining us at short notice, Bernard, and welcome to the show. No problem, Rick. Can we start by asking if you knew anything about big cats being wild before this happened? No. I heard about big cats, but I just thought they were probably just big cats belonging to people and all the rest. But this was new to me, completely new. Never heard about it in Ireland or locally? No, I never heard of anyone even saw one. Only sometimes you might read on a paper where a big cat was seen, but you just kind of ignore it. You'd have to see it to realise what you'd have to see. You're outdoors a lot in your interests, so if anybody might see one, it would be you perhaps. Yeah, well, over the years, I do a bit of hunting. We do a bit of deer hunting during the day and not at night. I've lamped rabbits years ago. I've used to the wild and the wilderness and mountains, and I've used to a lamp at night because I walk the dog every second or third night. I go for a walk and I'd have the lamp with me and I'd shine it in the field. I'd look at rabbits, different things. So, yeah, I'd be used to it. Yeah, please take us through what happened. It was 7.30 p.m. one evening, was it? Roughly 7.30, just gone dark before the clocks changed. So it was just gone, kind of gone dark. You'd have to have a lamp. So I went for a walk, approximately half seven in the evening. Went down this narrow road down from the house, about 15 miles away from Dungarvan. There is an odd deer down that road. There's a wood. And next to the wood, sometimes you might see a deer, maybe once a month or maybe once every two months or whatever. So I would have a lamp, a lamp, not a big lamp, and lamp, but a lamp. I'd no stick with me. I'd no gun. I'd no nothing. Just going for a walk with the dog, which is um, a Springer, about six months old. And we walked down the, the narrow road, and every now and then I could see, you know, the ditch. The ditch was high, and there's a kind of a big bank with a ditch on it. So it was only little gaps here and there. So... I shone the lamp in to see if any deer in the field or rabbits or anything. And uh, walking down anyway, no, nothing in the field. And uh, I came to another little gap in the ditch and I put in the lamp and I thought I'd seen things. I saw a big cat and another big cat, one bigger than the other. They were jet black. And I thought I was seeing things. I said, no, this couldn't be. Couldn't be a cat. And then I had a look around the field with the lamp, but there was nothing else there. But there was a set of eyes behind the two 
cats, which I thought maybe it was a smaller cat. And I couldn't see the body of that because the other two were blocking it. And then I was kind of getting worried. Said, if they go off me, I'm the hope. So I was trying to figure out how big are they? They're not ordinary cats. And their coat was shining. So I kept the lamp on them and their eyes were kind of moving, their head was moving. But they didn't get up and run away. They didn't go for me. Didn't really do anything. And then I was saying, hold on a minute. I put the lamp back on the dog. The dog was only on the road now. The dog was only kind of walking up and down the road. The dog didn't know they were there because the big high ditch, he wouldn't have seen him unless he jumped up on the ditch. So he wouldn't have seen him. They wouldn't have seen him. And I could only barely see him over the ditch, but I could see him. I shone the lamp on the cats and then I put it back on the dog. And they were definitely a good bit bigger than the dog. And he's a Springer Spaniel. So I reckoned roughly the size of a Labrador. Then they kind of, they were looking at me as if they could attack or something. I didn't know. I just didn't like it. So I walked up the road to get to walk away from it. And when I came back down the road, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, I had a big stick with me then, just in case, but I don't think a big stick could do. <laughs> These <laughs> things came at me. But I put the lamp back in over the ditch again, and there was only one there. Now, one cat was definitely bigger than the other. I thought a male and a female, maybe yes, maybe not. But it looked that way. It looked like a male and a female. I couldn't tell for sure. I wouldn't know. So when I came back, there was only one day. And then when I went, walked down the road again, I was kind of nervous enough now. I never saw a cat as big as this before. So I walked down the road and I came to another gap and I looked in again and they were gone. So I rang a mate of mine that he'd be into shooting and all the rest. He's living local enough and I told him what happened. I rang him just after that. And he said he'll call over tomorrow night to the house and around the same time, and we'll go back down again and have another look. So he called over that night. The two of us went down, lamped every field. We had a bigger lamp this time, and um, no sign of him. And no sign of him since. And I might have been down there a good few times. And nobody else saw him around the place. What kind of distance away were they from you? Roughly 40 metres, I'd say. So I had a clear enough picture. What kind of a notice did they take of you? They were staring at me. They were staring at me. Did it influence their behaviour, or were they just sort of watching you because they were alert? They were alert. They were watching me. But that was it. They didn't make any effort to run away, and they didn't make any effort to run at me. I was just amazed. So you got their body, form, scale and colour because you were illuminating them pretty well in your big spotlight, yeah? Yeah, and the grass was low. I got a clear picture enough um, looking at them. I didn't have the phone with me, and I swear, I'll be honest, I got such a fright, I don't think I'd have thought of the phone, even if I had it with me. Oh, and my camera now on the phone is not great. I don't think it worked 40 metres away 
on a lamp, if you know what I mean. But I just, I, I didn't even think of a phone. Did you see I shine reflecting in the light? Yes. What was that like? It was definitely wild. Their eyes seemed to be very big. Now, I had a picture, a clear picture in my head of what I saw. And when I went down, I went down for a pint that night down to the local pub. And there were only three or four there, and I was telling them all about it. The woman behind the bar looked up. She googled big cats. I told her it was a big, jet black, shiny cat. And she googled a panther. And if I was a betting man, I'd have a big brief bet that that was what I saw. Or something very similar. I'm not big into cats, but it really looked like a panther, that type of cat. Or maybe there's another cat that's something similar. Panther tends to be a general name for black leopard. And Bargira in the Jungle Book, you know, the black panther in the in the Jungle Book, is really a leopard in its black form. So they've got spots. You can't see it because of that black pigment. Right. I didn't see any spots. It was just a clear jet black. Now, if you saw a black cow, it wouldn't be as black as what I saw. It was a dead pitch black colour and shiny and shiny. What about, did you see length of the tail at all? No. No, it seemed to be kind of stretched out a bit, lying down. Didn't see any tail. I saw the, the size of the body, the length of it, and the size of the head. And it was kind of scary. And I'm not scared very much. <laughs> so they were capable of killing a deer, which is what they do? No bother kill a deer. Were they, in terms of size difference between them, what do you think, how big a difference was it? If you put two Labradors together and a female and a male together, that's what it looked like. You know, just that bit smaller, but stocky. Stocky and the head maybe near enough the same size. The one in front was a little bit smaller than the one behind. And if you had to say a standout feature about them, for a few minutes I had the lamp on so they didn't really do anything only look at me but they kept looking at me and that's what made me kind of I better get out of here their alertness yeah and the way they were watching me and the way they were looking it wasn't you know it was kind of <laughs> you, know, you could imagine though 40 yards away pitch dark you're on your own no houses there's no one there's only one house down that road bare at the very end of it there's a couple but and they don't have cats because she minds dogs for people. And there's no other house around, only a wood. In terms of the behaviour of the cats, what do you think they were doing? Do you think they were just chilling out and resting or do you think they had a carcass there or was it difficult to tell? It looked very like that they had a feed and they were just resting. They were after eating something or killing something or doing something. Do you know the way a line it? You'd often see them in South Africa and all these places and that. And after they kill, they kind of stretch out. Yes, they've had a good gorge and they're going to rest it off sort of thing. That's what it looked like, just thinking back on it. But there's so much going through your mind at the time. You're not thinking properly. You're just... I was kind of stunned when I saw this. I couldn't believe what I've seen. But it was there. 
And how quickly, Bernard, did you realise what they were? And did you go through other candidates for what they could have been? Or was it pretty much instant that they were cats? Oh, it was instant, yeah. And different. And the eyes were different. Because I'm used to looking at deer at night. I'm used to looking at rabbits, foxes, badgers. These were definitely two cats. And two big black cats. The eye shine colour, what was it? I could be wrong now. As I said to you, you're not thinking straight. But it looked like a kind of a yellowy, a yellowy colour. I mean, it can vary. That is one of the colours that people state. Sometimes it's yellowy green and sometimes it's more green, you know, and sometimes it's more yellow. Yeah, more yellowy, I think, from what I can remember back. A young one, was there, there was two adults, you think? There were definitely two adults. Now, they could have been a, a big male and a smaller male. But there was definitely eyes behind them popping up and down every now and then. But I couldn't figure out what it was. It looked very much like that was a younger one because it was definitely smaller. The other two, the smaller ones up front of the two, the bigger one was behind, and this was like behind the back end of the, the bigger fella. And I could just see a head bopping up and down, two eyes, that's all I could see. Couldn't make out what size it was or anything else, but it had to be smaller than the other two because I would have seen more of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's very rare for people to see more than one. Once young ones, sub-adults, become independent at 18 months to two years and, and move away from mother, you know, they live solitary lives largely. They can interact at times if they need to and if they meet each other, but they tend to be solitary, all of the wildcats, apart from lions, actually. So it's rare for people to see more than one, but to see two, if not three, is is very rare. But, of course, it can happen. And one of the options is your mother with two young ones, but sometimes the young ones can be as big as her once they're sort of 18 months, especially a male, can be big as its mother at that time. I couldn't see how big or small the one behind was, but I just took it it was smaller than the first two. Because it was behind the two, I couldn't really see it. All I could see was two eyes popping up and down every now and then in the lamp. That was it now. I couldn't see any more. So I couldn't say exactly what size animal it was. But I can tell you, the first two were definitely. And I even took the lamp off and I put it on the dog to see could I judge the size of the dog. And the dog was way smaller than the two of them. What about if you had to judge whether they were truly wild and had been living and grown up in that area, in that region of Ireland, would you say they were properly wild or would you have judged from their, something about their behaviour and their form they were newly released out of captivity? It looked to me like they were definitely living in the wild. Their coat was too good for to be a domestic. They looked like they were well-fed, heavy, I'd say enough. A coat that i never seen a coat, like like a mink coat. I've seen deer in the wild and I've seen deer in pens. And most of the time, the wild deer getting well-fed would look a lot better than the ones in the pen. Richer, better coat. They're just different in the wild than they are in the pen. 
And I think these cats were in the wild and getting well fed. There's a few deer around where they were, but like it's not too far away from the mountains. I know a fox travels an awful lot by night. I don't know how far these things will travel. A good distance if they need to. Yeah. So the mountains are not too far away. And they were next to a wood. And there's a good few woods around that area. And there's a few deer around in most of them. Not a big lot of deer now, but there is a few. What about rabbits and smaller prey for them? Rabbits and pheasants and pigeons, that sort of thing. The rabbits are scarce. Now, I did see a buzzer kill a rabbit in the field next to the house there one morning. So I did see a buzzer kill a rabbit. Now, whether they're killing all the rabbits or not, I don't know. As I said, I go out with the lamp a good few nights of the week. I'd see rabbits if they were there. I didn't see a rabbit around here for a while. There's enough natural prey of different sizes, and of course the deer is the key one for them, but they do eat smaller prey as well, because it's just more convenient often, and they don't have to spend so much energy and take so much risks getting smaller prey. So there's enough prey at different scales, do you think? There would be. Two or three miles away, there might be a good few rabbits. Yeah, they could have a territory of 20 square miles. Yeah, well then, there's loads of food, loads of food. Now, I didn't hear of anyone losing sheep or anything like that. I didn't hear anything, and I'm keeping my ear to the ground since this happened because I'm kind of waiting for someone else to say they saw something, but no, nothing since the night that I saw It doesn't mean to say nobody has seen one because, of course, you probably can guess that some people are pretty reticent to talk about it because they fear ridicule or they don't want to draw attention to the area. There can be different reasons why people play dumb about it, but uh, I guess it is um, frustrating. Is it frustrating for you that nobody else has mentioned it and come up with a report? Two things. I regret not getting it on camera. But I didn't even think of it, and I don't think I had the, the, the phone with me. I think the phone was back in the in the Jeep that night. Because normally I wouldn't bother bringing it when I'm going for a walk. That was one thing. And the other thing was, I was going mad that there was nobody with me. To say, I've seen them as well. They were clear in the field with the lamp on. Now, I know the lamp can kind of puzzle your eyes in that at night sometimes. But I'm used to going with the lamp and I'm used to looking at wild animals with the lamp. And I'm used to horses and cattle and sheep and everything else that would be in the field. But these are cats. In terms of the people you've told, do they all believe you or do some people not believe you? I hunt a lot in Micklow with a very good friend of mine. I rang him the next morning and he started laughing at me. Yeah. <laughs> now, He's a countryman, like myself. He said, go away, man, really. You're looking at uh, bullocks or something like that. And I said, I know the difference between a bullock and a cat. <laughs> there were three or four in the pub that night when I came back. Just telling them the story, like, what I was at the scene. There's one of them there now, he'd be up and asking me, well, any news cats after? Did you see anything after? I said, no, I'm going to be down a few times and see a thing. My daughter took me up a little bit seriously, all right. She'd know me better than anyone, you know. She rang me one day afterwards, maybe a week or two, and she said, there's an article on The Independent. I'll send it on to you. Read it. And it was about cats. And someone down in Wexford saw him. Uh, can't think of his name. Lar. Oh, he was a great guest on our podcast, yeah. 
So I read all about that and I said, that's weird. It's very like what I've seen, but it's down in Wexford, down outside Enniscarty somewhere. So she actually got him on Facebook or something like that and uh, she contacted him and he rang me and he was telling me all about what he saw and I was telling him all about what I saw. And he said he, he had a few people that he know would be interested in talking to me. Would I mind if he gave him the number, my number? I said, I don't mind. I, you know, I saw what I saw and I'd be interested to hear other people what they saw and where they saw it because I'd like to know where these cats are. Are they traveling the country? Are they just sticking in one county? Or where are they? Or are there plenty of men Ireland that we don't know of? That is the puzzle, isn't it? I mean, we've had a, a podcast guest, Janet, from County Letrim. She's had a sighting and a close vocalisation. And then about six months after she'd been on the podcast talking about it, she had another sighting very clearly one morning around a big side of a big lake going on a back road in County Letrim. She reckons that a lot of people would never have a chance of seeing one. It's so remote and wild in some of those parts of uh, that area. You know, that's a long way from you, isn't it? That's diagonally the other end of the country, really. Well, that's definitely not the ones I saw then. There must be more. Yeah, exactly. Now, I don't know about the ones in Wexford. Mm. That's a long ways away, like. It's probably, what would it be? An escarty from here. She's just a long ways away. That could be 80 kilometres more. It couldn't be the ones in Enniscarty because they'd have a river to cross. The River Fjord, and that's fairly big. They can swim water like a lake if they need to, but they'd have to, to do that, you know, they'd need to do it for some reason. Well, that'd be a hard swim now on that river. That's a big, wide river and flowing the whole time. So I couldn't see any animal chancing it. Maybe they would, but I don't know. If they don't need to. And I think... People don't realise how stealthy they are. I mean, you'll know how stealthy most mammals are in the landscape. Yeah. It's interesting that, that nobody has reported them because there's three. You think there's more chance of somebody seeing them if there's three? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the truth now, Rick. I didn't say it to a whole lot of people. Yeah. I told my daughter, she was very close. We'd have lunch maybe once a week. When she... Saw the article, she rang me straight away to tell me about it. So she definitely know I saw a big cat or two big cats or whatever they were. But they were, they were some sort of cats. So she definitely knows that I saw them. As I said to you, my friend that I go hunting deer with and that up the mountains, up in uh, Wicklow, he started laughing. He didn't believe me. My local friend... I rang him. He definitely believed me. He was down the next night. So could we go and find him? Incidentally, when you went back there, were you looking for any dropping scat or did you see flattened ground where they'd been lying? Was there any sort of clues that you could pick up? No, I tell you the honest truth, that night when I, when I went and saw him, I didn't get in over that ditch and no way would I go in over that ditch. Yeah, I meant when you went back. When I went back the next night, I still didn't go in over the ditch. Like We didn't go looking, but it was dark. You know, we thought going the same around the same time that maybe that's a path that they're on around that time and they might be there again. But no, no, I did not see him since. Saw nothing since. Um, I went down during the day as well to have a good look around and no, nothing. I had a look in the wood 
know, you see certain parts, but um, I had a look around all right. Didn't see anything, but I'll, I'll keep an eye down that road. I'll definitely keep an eye on it. Do you know the landowner? I know some of them, yeah. Nobody saw anything there. Have you thought about, if you know the landowner, about putting some camera traps, you know, the trail cameras out? I don't think they're on a route going through that area. Because I would have seen them after, like, somewhere, in some fields. I mean, I didn't just go down to that one field. I went to all the fields, and the wood, and at night. You don't think it's worth it with trail cameras? No, I don't think they were there. Or maybe, like, it's a kind of a trail that they do once every two weeks or three weeks that they might come around that way again, or a month, or... Where would you put the cameras? There's so many fields, there's so many places for them to go, you know? Sure, no, I think that's one of the challenges, one of the difficulties. People don't realise it, but, of course, when you're faced with it in the real physical countryside and you realise how enormous it is... Yeah, even in one field, how would you cover that field with a camera, like? I know, I agree. And they may not go into that field. They might go into the one next door. <laughs> you tear your hair out with this stuff, don't you? How has it influenced you? Are you intrigued yourself? Are you fascinated? Yeah, fascinated, I suppose, would be the word, yeah. I'd rather just leave them alone. I think the only problem might, might come down the road, I don't know, is if they start killing sheep. But so far now, there's, there's sheep within a mile or a kilometre, and nobody said anything about any sheep being killed around. Well, there would be plenty of deer now in the whole area. Not so many around the area where I saw them, but there is a few deer there. And if you go further afield, there's plenty of deer. And their coat was so good and black, clear black coat, that I think they're living very well on the wild, whatever they're killing. It's interesting you say that about the coat. I've just adopted, really, a stray black cat, a little domestic one that's been round by yeah. the fields, round by my house. And because I, I took sort of pity on it, really, because my house looks out into fields. So I was often seeing it, and it was just so constantly searching for mice. And it was very furtive, it wouldn't come to me. You know, I spent a lot of time really trying to sort of get down with it and letting it come to me. And I started giving it little bits of food. And it's now coming into the house quite a bit in the little sort of outhouse and, and sleeping there and semi-adopted me. Yeah, well, we have one as well, believe it or not, the same story. Oh, OK, yeah. Well, I've noticed that cat. My daughter's a vet and she saw, saw it when she was back one day. And she said it's in mm. better condition than most of the cats I see. As you say, that coat, when they have natural game, their coat is so good. Yeah. I've noticed he's not scared of getting wet at all. He sometimes comes in drenched. But, of course, all of that yeah. is keeping the coat fit and healthy and lovely and soft. And, yeah, he's in amazing nick, basically. Yeah, well, the black cat that we have here now is, is in very good order as well. Yeah. But she's hunting all most of the, most of the night. She seemed to come in during the daytime, then you wouldn't see her. She appeared in here one, one day, and uh, my woman I fed her. And she came back the next day at the very same time. She got fed again. And then a week later, she came back with four kittens. Oh. So she was feeding kittens. That's why she was coming down for the food, I'd say. So now we've one of the kittens as well, which is a full cat now. So anyway, the story goes on, but sure, we haven't done it like they're not going anywhere, you know. 
this stray I've sort of adopted and has adopted me, he hasn't been neutered. So I've got that moral judgment to make. Do I get him neutered? I think I, I think I will do, actually, because I just feel we don't need any more kittens, you know. No, you definitely don't. I mean, I do like black cats. They give me a reference, you know. There's like a little mini panther in the fields for me to watch and observe. Yeah, but this this cat towards what I saw are two different things altogether. The domestic cat is not, it's not what I saw. No, no. But it's interesting about your judgment about the coat, their coat condition. I couldn't get over the, the shine on the coat. What about their muscularity and fitness? I suppose that's more difficult to judge if they were lying down, but would you have judged they're very muscular and fit? Yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah. Big, muscly, strong, uh, healthy, plenty of weight on for the size of the cat. Plenty of weight. Yeah, not overweight, presumably. Oh, no, no, but not hungry either. They're definitely not hungry, Rick. And I'd say they're young cats. I would say, I guess, probably three to four years old, max. Maybe two to three years old, that kind of it. How did you judge that, Bernard? Judging by the a dog, we say. You know, when they're getting very old, they get kind of, the body don't be, wouldn't have the shape and a bit of grey, I didn't see any grey. It was just jet black and I'd know, I'd have a good idea of a, an animal. Even a deer, I could tell you roughly how old they are, you know what I mean? So I would say young, young animals, young, healthy, fit animals. Definitely. But I tell you the honest truth, what I really like is to see him again. Yeah. Yeah, just one more. Just to get the second look at him. In daylight, presumably. Well, even even at night. Just to get another look at him and to say, well, you know, this is the, the second picture of him now, like, you know, in my head. And I'd have more confidence in the second one than the first one because I got such a shock. I didn't know. I wasn't expecting it. I never saw it before in my life. And I'm in the country. Like I like the country. I like the wildlife. I'm only back from Alaska. Oh, wow. I went out there. I went out there for um, a trip of a lifetime, I suppose. Oh, wonderful. I wanted to see the black bear and I wanted to see the brown bear and I wanted to see the bear catching fish, salmon. Yeah. Do you get all that? Yeah. Yeah. A trip that I never forget. So I am into the wild, if you know what I mean. And for me to see this was just um, something else. I'd just like to see it again now for five minutes. <laughs> That'll do me that. And swap notes with somebody else who has done, perhaps. Yeah, I might have been talking to a few now that's on and different things. And so now we know they're there. How many, we don't know. Probably more than what we think. They're just so stealthy. I mean, where you went in Alaska, I mean, you know how difficult it is to see wildlife unless you're guided and taken to some of those places. I know, yeah, yeah. And so you feel fairly protective of these cats, Bernard, or you feel like you wouldn't want anybody to be hostile to them? Oh, no, I think it's great to see them. I think it's great to have them. They're not doing any harm to anybody. There's nobody around the whole area lost sheep over them or anything else. So, to be honest, I'm a shooting man. I would not shoot. And if I had a gun that night, I wouldn't have shot I think what I saw that night was just worth seeing. And uh, 
I'd like to see him again. I wouldn't like anyone to choose me either, you know? Sure. We're giving the location, you know, talking about it generally, but we're careful not to talk about it specifically. Yeah, I think, to be honest, if you went around there a hundred times, you won't see him again. I don't think I'll ever see him again. I think the next day they could have been 25 miles away. So, you know, how are you going to find him? You'd have to really have some uh, scent hounds, I think, is the best option, like they do with cougars in North America. But the landscape and the roads and fences and things mean it's so difficult uh, here to do that. Yeah, but how would, how would you even get a trail up? They could be anywhere. Like. Yeah, how would you start off? I agree with you. Like, you'd have to see him first and then maybe get the dogs. Get the dogs on the trail. But how are you going to find that trail? And they're so scarce and they have a long distance that they travel every day. Where would they be like? What road would you go down? Yeah, it's logistics, practicalities and logistics, even if you've got a starting point, yeah. The other thing that we have discussed, in fact, we discussed it on episode 85, just gone, is what's called a scat detection dog. So dogs that are trained to pick up the smell of the droppings. Especially with three of them, Bernard, that that could be... Yeah. That's a possibility. But of course, you've still got to have that dog trained up and ready in the first place, which takes some doing. Even at that, there's so many woods around this area. Are they in the wood? Are they in the field? Are they on the mountain? Where would you even start? Unless you're going to do it every day. And I'm like, I'm a hunting man and I'm a country man and I like the wild. If anybody's got a good network on these things, you'll have it. I'm listening the whole time. The local, a lot of the local lads know that I saw them. So there's nobody, nothing since. Now, there's probably nobody down that road at night, only me. <laughs> it's a very narrow road, please. And what's interesting is there's no history of any sightings here. That That's even more intriguing, no. isn't it? You know, the pub and, and amongst your hunting contacts, if anybody would know of history of sightings, those sorts of people would do. Yeah, I have a good lot of hunting lads around different areas that would be out in the country. And I know lads that shoot foxes and all the rest at night, and they never came across it. I'm 64 now, and I never came across it. And I'll probably never come across them again. That's my feeling on it now, because I thought if I was going to see him again, it would have been the next night or the night after, and I didn't. And I went down every night for a while and nothing. Will it change the way in the future you go out lamping or walking the dog or whatever? Will it change the times you go and the locations you go because you want to do a detour to see if you can pick up any signs or see them? Or will it just be you carry on what you're doing and if something happens, it does and um, you can't force it too much? My area to go for a walk is down that road because there's no cars on it. And you can leave it, leave the dog, you know, go ahead you on the road, come behind you. So it's a very good road to walk the dog. And I drive to that road because I'd, I'd have to cross a main road if I'm walking the dog, like from the house. So I put a dog in the back of the Jeep or whatever, and I drive down to that road, that far on it. And I park up and I go for my walk. And I'm doing that for years. And I never saw him. And I'd probably never see him again. But it was interesting. Yeah, and you always carry the lamp, spotlight lamp with you? Ah, yeah, in the dark I would. That's very narrow, like, there's no lights, there's no houses, there's no one living down there. 
only down the other end of the road, which is two or three kilometers. And so I'll forest at each side there for a good bit. Yeah. So you can pick up, you know, any animals that are in the near distance, it will pick them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you thought about getting a thermal camera? I know they're, they're very pricey, unfortunately. If I thought I'd go to see them again, I would. <laughs> I gave up on the idea of seeing them ever again. I think that's very wise, to be honest. Otherwise, you just beat yourself up, don't you? I think you just got to, if, if you do, it's a bonus, but don't expect it, I think is the, the logic. That's the way I'm going now. When I didn't see him the two nights after, as I said, my mate came with me there, local lad. He came hoping that we'd see him again. But no. Lower your expectations so anything that happens is a bonus in the future. Hopefully somebody will see him. But I think myself, to be honest with you, when I saw him in the dark and on a very quiet area, I think they're keeping to themselves. And that's why there's nobody seen him. And it's kind of a miracle in itself that I even saw. Yeah, well, it's a great, uh, a great encounter, and so nice to hear about it uh, firsthand. And thank you for coming on at short notice. No problem, Rick. Yeah, and I know that the uh, Island Facebook group will be fascinated by this, and very pleased that you've spoken to Lar, and you know they'll put a dot on the map for this one, and to get that sort of picture, that overview. Yeah. Now, the only the only regret I have, but. I live to tell the story. I would have loved him to get in over that ditch and walk up to him. I would have loved him to do it, but I couldn't do it. And I'm not a, a nervous fella, but I just couldn't. And then if I jumped in over the ditch, the, the dog would jump in over me, over with me. And I think anything could have happened then after that. Of course, especially with them being, you know, two, if not three. Yeah, and the dog with me, like. I would have loved him to do it. I would have loved him to do it, but I just couldn't do it. And I tell you too, the more I was watching, the more they were staring at me. I kind of got nervous myself and I went down. And the wind direction, was that a factor? So the dog didn't pick up any scent? No, the wind was wrong anyway, for starters. And it's like a high bank and a ditch on it, if you know what I mean. With gaps in between, that's the gaps I saw. But like the dog wouldn't have seen anything, the dog wouldn't have smelt anything. And they were out 40 yards in the field, lying, they weren't running around that you pick up the scent, you know. How do you think it would have reacted? Because some dogs get excited, but most dogs cower and are very, very spooked and freaked by it and, and get submissive yeah. and, and cower and go to the ground and get behind the owner. How do you judge your dog might have reacted? I don't know. I'd say he'd probably get a little bit close and then scare off, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say that's what he would have done. He would have backed off. But I'd have to get in over the ditch to see what would happen. And then it might be too late. Because they'd kill him, I'd say, in a, in a few seconds. That's what it looked like to me. If they were resting after dinner, of course, they're not so bothered. Well, they didn't seem to be bothered too much. They didn't go from me. They didn't get up and run away. Because I backed off at the end and said, I think, I, bet, I think it's time to go. How did they react to the lamp on them? They knew it was on. They knew it was on. But didn't get scary. I didn't run off. They didn't go for the lamp. Some animals now don't mind the lamp. They'd stare at it, they'd look at it, and they wouldn't. And they could go back feeding again if they're eating grass, you know what I mean? Some animals. So they didn't really react to it. They didn't mind it. But because I, um, at the end, I, I said to myself, I think it's time to get out of here. 
all of that does suggest that they were wild and confident, doesn't it? It's you know they weren't bugged by you and they were alert to you. I mean, it's all the signs that they they knew what they were doing. You know, they were in their place and you weren't going to bother them. No, they were definitely wild. Well, experience from looking at wild um, wild animals in the wild, um, I'd have a fair idea. And like, there is no house down there. It's not like there's a house in the next field. There's not. There's nothing in the next field. Only a forest for maybe a kilometre on both sides of the road at one side. And nothing at all on the other side. No houses, no nothing. So they couldn't be belonging to anybody. And maybe one time, maybe somebody left them off years ago or something. I don't know. Or a couple of years ago or a year ago. But it's either they were born in the wild, but they're not um, a domestic cat. And there's no houses around that area that they could be in. Well, it's good also that it is your regular beat, that you're going there regularly because you do so anyway to walk the dog. Yeah, for years. And I'd always have a lamp. If they're going to come back, you might sense it or see any signs or even see one of them or all of them. You know, it is winter now, so... And I always had the lamp. And I'd always be looking to see, could I see a deer? I'd see, could I see a rabbit or a hare or something? So that night was different. But it was a good experience, that. And all the people who believed you and reacted, would you say they're fascinated or some of them not bothered or some of them think it's pretty special and, and, and interesting and want to know more about it? One lad mentioned the cat's name. I, I can't remember what he called it. Big kind of a domestic cat gone wild. Oh, I see, yeah. But no, they were too big. People tend to think they know that you must be mistaken, sort of thing. But most people thought I was mistaken in some way, or maybe it was the light or the lamp, or maybe it was cattle, and maybe it was this, and maybe it was that. But so look, I, I know what I saw. <laughs> Just going mad that I couldn't get a photograph, but or I couldn't. Uh, there's nobody else with me. For how long would you say you observed them totally? I say I was there ten minutes because I looked at them. And I couldn't believe what I saw. And then I looked again. And then maybe I kept the lamp on them for maybe five minutes to see where they move. And then I was trying to judge for ages the size of them. How big are they? How realistically what size are they? And then I decided to put the lamp on the dog and have a look at the size of the dog in front of me. And then put the lamp straight back on them again. And they were much bigger than the dog. I was fascinated with the whole thing, I suppose, and I was trying to judge the size of them, uh, the coat on them, I couldn't believe. So I was there, I'd say, roughly about 10 minutes. Most people don't see them for that long, and they're further away. And it's often dawn and dusk, so you've got very little chance of getting a good photo with a phone camera anyway. The lamp would have illuminated them well enough to get a good enough picture then, had you had the phone and thought about it. Probably. But my phone wouldn't be great enough for photos unless I zoomed in on them or something like that. And if I'd done it right, yeah, I probably would have. But sure, I didn't. Staying composed and still enough when you've got your dog with you and when you've got, you know, those cats that close. The dog couldn't get in there anyway, um, unless you really put in an effort to climb in over. Like, but I wasn't too worried about the dog going in there because it would be a big effort to go in. He'd have to smell something or trail something or follow something before he could win. Or that kind of way. 
he was happy enough on the road. I was watching him. He was fooling around the road. Say that they are back in the future when you're doing a walk there with him. Do you think he would pick him up if he got the scent right and everything? Would you look to him to sort of give you a signal, do you think, in the future? Certain parts of the road with a low ditch, he might be up and down on it. And then he definitely would pick him up then. His reaction, I don't know, but I couldn't see him tackling him. No, no, no. But his behaviour might give them away to you. You might be able to suss that they're about because of his behaviour, do you think? Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd love to be able to say I'm going to see him again and I'd be ready for him this time. Biggest problem was that I got such a shock when I saw him, I didn't know what to do. Say you, you saw them again, glimpsed them again, you would definitely try and get some photographic proof, would you? Definitely, yeah. Without saying, I would, yeah. If I ever get the chance to see him again. Now, anytime I go now, I bring the camera with me, the phone with me. Brilliant. It's so good of you to take us through all of this, Bernard, at short notice. No problem, Rick. Really nice. And we wish you well. You know, keep in touch if anything happens again. I will, of course. If I see anything or anything, I'll be anti. Well, good luck, Bernard, and thanks ever so much for coming on the show. I know listeners will appreciate it, and it's nice to hear from a case in Ireland again. So best wishes to you. Hopefully we'll be in touch again with good news. Thanks, Rick. Okay, just to point out that I was a bit brief and limited in my remarks to Bernard there about the panther definition and about territory sizes. There's a lot more to it than that, of course, but we can't always cover every angle in the flow of a conversation. In terms of words of the week, well, because of Bernard's report of three big cats together, we have another collective term for a group of cats. Previously, we had a glaring of cats as one of the collective terms. Well, another term, especially for a group of wild or feral cats, is a destruction of cats. And it does seem to originate from the way feral cats were perceived as destructive in groups, causing bother, but hopefully only if you're a mouse or a small rabbit. OK, we're now going to do the first announcements and reading clips for our Poetry and Limericks competition. Thanks so much to our 12 different judges for their feedback. All of the entries will be reproduced on the website in the next month or so, and as a bonus, we've even got a ballad coming up, The Beast of the Bin. That's packaged as a classy folk song, and that's coming up as part of our show from Scotland in two editions' time. The whole variety and the general high standard of poems and limericks was something that many of the judges noticed and remarked on, and thanks to some of the Facebook group coordinators and admins for acting as a judge, And also thanks to politician Darren Miller for his input as a judge. He's the experienced Welsh Shened member for Clwyd West in North East Wales. And we heard from Darren on episode 81 recently. As well as a Big Cat Conversations t-shirt, the winners of the Poetry and the Limerick competition and the runners-up get a Big Cat drinks prize. And we've illustrated those prizes on our website under episode 87, References and Links page. And those prizes are Dartmoor Beast Gin from Dartmoor Brewery, Dartmoor Beast Hot Chilli Sauce from Dartmoor Chilli Farm, Beast of Bobmin Ale from Firestone Brewery, 
Exmoor Beast Ale from Exmoor Ales and Big Cat Ale from Stroud Brewery. With Christmas coming up, maybe look up those websites and order anything you want for Big Cat branded products. And of course, thanks so much to those companies for supporting the competition with presentation packs. So on to some of the Limerick competition submissions. And we're going to start with one from Dave Mallon. And here is the Limerick that he came up with. If you meet with a panther or puma, you'll accept it's not folklore or rumour. But the people you tell will mock you like hell, so be armed with a strong sense of humour. Very well done, Dave. That's a lovely take on the subject, and I think we all recognise your sentiment at the end. It's a serious subject, of course, but the laughs along the way help ease the many and constant frustrations for us all. In time, we're going to read out many more of the limericks and poems from amongst the entries in future episodes. And as a starter, here are two more limericks for now. And these did get some votes amongst the judges, and these are both from Katie Jordan. Here goes with the first one. It was big, it was long, it was tawny. It was muscular, not a bit scrawny. Not a fox, not a calf. Oh yeah, go on then, laugh. Twas a puma, or my name's Trelawney. Thanks, Katie. I had to look up Trelawney for the geography, and in fact, it's Cornish. So thanks for that one. And in fact, Katie's second submission is the overall winner amongst the Limericks. So very well done, Katie. We'll be in touch about your prize. And here is the winning Limerick. An unwary young woman named Kate saw a puma stroll past a farm gate. Just three seconds. Surprise. Though I trust my own eyes. Take a photo. In that time, too late. Katie, thanks so much for those, and I know that you and Dave, who submitted the first one there, keep in touch with me on email, like many listeners, and thoughts and comments are always welcomed and valued from everyone if you want to get in touch. The email is rick at bigcatconversations.com. So it will be our poems winner and runner-up in the next couple of episodes, but we have just one poem to read out now. And it's very apt because Bernard, our guest, was talking about the striking black coat of the cats he saw. And we have one particular poem which emphasises this. And it's an entry which attracted quite a few votes amongst the judges. And hopefully you can sense why. So here we go with a submission from Chris Townsend. And I hope I can do it justice because it's such a well-crafted piece. So here we go with Black Body Beast. O thou, shiny black body beast, it is the sun shining from the east that shows the concealed dots not normally seen upon its coat, from tail's base to near under throat, neatly spread on body's flank. Nature's pattern to disguise, cover over, now darkly blank, a glimpse all mine of hunter, most unexpected for which I deeply thank. What trick has Mother Nature used against her highest order predator? At first she neatly blends the camouflage, but cruelly daubs this pattern out. No longer needed in this day, perhaps, you say? To catch the easy, unsuspecting prey, stealth be thy day. So fickle is the light's reflection, only helps for that instant's brief detection. Seen at first, rosettes roundish, but then, they're not. Stealth be thy day. Fields of gold, so recently that were green, Stalking silently and rarely seen, Along stonewall fences, 
as casual as without pretenses, active at dawn and again at dusk, one little scar gained on tip of boar's tusk. Across cobblestone roads, through barns, neath shady copses, rats and rabbits, hare and pheasant, badgers and foxes, deer, muntjac, water, seeker, red, fallow, roe, fawn, calf, pricket, sorrel, saw, buck and doe, boar, sow, piglets too, can all fall prey, stealth be thy day. Here I am amongst the fern, undetected, anxiously watching, I can discern, patches, blotches, high spots, low spots, clefts and muscle creases, pent-up energy before it releases. And then our eyes have met. Oh, so close, black body beast on silent padded feet, deftly turned with a change of mind, gone in a flash, to bound away. No sound at all to betray, stealth be thy day, even in retreat. A sight so rare now, methinks, I am a witness between my blinks, not a spirit nor a ghost, a mind's image personal to me, of which I dare not boast. Lo, but one clear print be left upon the soil, large and rounded and very neat. Proof enough along this beat, soon to disappear beneath the travelling fleet. Not like fallow's mark of cloven hoof, sharp cut, deep with splayed out toes, barking loudly to his brethren, whence e'er he goes. Yes, today he were to be the prey. Stealth be thy day. Thanks so much to you, Chris. That is powerful stuff indeed. And although that poem came across as very British in its content, it was actually from one of our Australian listeners. So thank you so much, Chris, for your great efforts with that one. And best wishes to Joy, who I know listens as well in the family. And of course, to Simon Townsend, who is a relation. He was our guest here in episode nine when we had our expert briefing on the Australian big cat situation. Okay, a brief mention of what's coming up because next time we have a guest talking about his experience from the Chilterns area in Buckinghamshire in southeast England. We'll hear about a confrontation he had with a black panther in snowy weather when he was sledging with friends. And because we're back in the Chilterns for that one, we're pleased to have Paolo back on the show for some highlights of Buckinghamshire reports. Some of you will know he's an experienced investigator from that area and he runs the Chilton's Big Cat Sightings Facebook page. Following on from that edition, first in the new year, we will have our long-promised update from Scotland. We'll be catching up with investigator Paul MacDonald and he'll have highlights of key incidents and sightings over the year across Scotland. Okay, we're done. Time to close out now, so thanks again to Bernard, our guest, and thanks to Annie in Ireland for making the connection with Bernard for us. Look forward to being back soon around Christmas time if you're listening on schedule. Thanks as ever for listening and supporting the show. Take care and bye for now. Music